Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. DiMaggio. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And again, welcome into the show. We got a good one for you today as we look to recap UFC Fight Night Brunson versus Till, which took place last Saturday, September 4th, at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, as always, just tremendous. I'm just peachy to be back with you guys. We got a new uh, modified intro for the show, so hopefully you liked that. Uh, you know, a bit nonsensical, but. Uh, I don't know. I liked it. Made me laugh. So we got a new uh, intro for the uh, the show. Uh, not a whole lot of uh, talkers when it comes to housekeeping. We do have updated uh, North Star Sports UFC rankings, uh, so you can check those out. We're getting better about being on top of stuff like that. Uh, we did have NSS 53, I want to say, and uh, I beat Reagan. So, you know, that's uh, interesting. The mailman continues his dominance but other than that i don't really have a whole lot for you hopefully we'll have the uh season preview with reagan at some point maybe tomorrow maybe saturday maybe even sunday maybe even monday it might even go into the regular season but you know better late than never and uh you know with the extra week you know if we if we do the preview and you know after week one then you know so be it still got uh, 17 more weeks to go so, without further ado, uh, we'll get right into this uh, recap here. So, obviously, we'll start off in the main event where Derek Brunson uh, defeats Darren Till uh, by third round submission via rear naked choke. Uh, really uh, an exciting performance from Derek Brunson. I mean, you know, a lot of the talking points coming out of this fight certainly were on the side of uh, Darren Till, or at least relating to Darren Till. You know, where does he go from here? And obviously, we'll get to that, but. Uh, we'll pay respects to Derek Brunson, who is the winner, winner of uh, uh, his last five fights. Winner, winner, chicken din- dinner, as uh, some people might say. Uh, I wouldn't, but some people might. And, uh, you know, just domination from, you know, the first second of the fight to the end of the fight. Really, there was nothing uh, that went well for, for Darren Till. And uh, I believe the day after it came out that uh, Darren Till was fighting with a torn ACL, that does change things a little bit but not really i mean you step into the cage you know you got to take responsibility for uh, you know your actions you know if, if you have a torn acl you probably shouldn't fight and uh it was nine weeks out so we had plenty of time to not take this fight but you know is it reckless yeah maybe i guess but you know it's his body he can do what he wants but you know whether or not you got a, a small bruise or a torn ACL, if you step into that octagon, that's you endorsing that you can, you know, well, step into an octagon and try to compete. So, you know, tough shit. A lot of people fight with injuries all the time. You know, you shouldn't fight if you don't want to fight injured. So, you know, I, I, I haven't really seen people trying to, you know, 
hedge their bets with the torn ACL uh, from Till, but to me that's largely irrelevant. Uh, Brunson looking great. I don't th- I don't think he really got outstruck by Darren Till. You know, everybody was talking, all the commentators were talking about. Uh, well, obviously, this is wrestler versus striker. Brunson's the wrestler. Till's the striker. Uh, and, you know, it's it's bad news for Derek Brunson if he stands with, with Darren Till. Yeah, not really. Stood there with him. Darren Till didn't do a damn thing about it. So, uh, you know, I think uh, Brunson's striking is probably underrated. Um, I, I think... I think you probably could look at stats that might say Derek Brunson's not an elite striker, and by no means am I trying to say he's a fucking amazing striker, but, you know, I think a lot of his stats are kind of irrelevant for this five-fight winning streak because he's so much more patient. So, yeah, you know, if, if he gets the fight with Izzy, if he fights with Whitaker, if he fights fucking Wonderboy Thompson, if he fights any striker who's good... Is that going to be the way he's going to win? Is he just going to outstrike him? Is that a smart move? Well, you're going to have to stand with somebody at some point, but that's probably not, you know, game plan number one. But, you know, he, he, he holds his own, and I think when he stays more patient and doesn't just bum rush in and try to, you know, force and create opportunities, then, yeah, he's, you know, not as bad of a striker as people make it out to be. So held his own and then had a lot of top control, uh, ground control in this fight. I think he had like seven minutes of uh, ground control pretty heavy elbows uh, on till really looked like it was the beginning of the end uh, in, in round one obviously it went a couple of rounds after but you know he he's pretty good at posturing up and, and raining down some elbows so you know very very impressive performance from Derek Brunson I think this is exactly what he needed you know he's on a five fight winning streak um, he doesn't really need to win more fights you know what I mean like we've seen people get title fights with far less than five fight winning streaks what he needs is to beat a name and Darren Till is a name you know if he came out here and beat fuck who, who else is up there in the middle if he beat Jack Hermanson who I think is one spot higher than Darren Till it is one spot higher but does anybody go like oh wow like I, I really want to see Brunson versus Adesanya too because he beat the fuck out of Jack Hermanson Darren Till for whatever reason probably due to his come up you know, certainly not anything he's done in the last three years, but you know, from, from his come up, uh, you know, he's he's got a lot of hype. He's got a lot of fans. He's a, he's one of the best follows on Twitter. So you know, you got to be the name, even though Darren Till hasn't won a fight in fucking five years. Uh, you know, he he's a name. He's a name. So that's exactly what he needed. Uh, Knowing the UFC and and knowing that they're going with Whitaker and Adesanya, maybe if Whitaker falls out, they throw Derek Brunson in there. You know, I don't know. That, that, that would make some sense. They probably would go Cannoneer before him. So maybe in the meantime, you go you go number one contendership, announce actually announce a number one contendership, and go Brunson Cannoneer. Seems pretty fair. If Brunson can beat Cannoneer, who's the number three. Uh, middleweight and go on a six-fight winning streak and and all that. How the fuck can you say he doesn't deserve uh, a title? And Cannoneer arguably has earned a title shot. I mean, the loss to Whitaker kind of throws him off track a little bit, but, you know, Whitaker's getting his shot, so that's, you know, you kind of got to cross that off. But, you know, if he beats Brunson, well, it's pretty hard to deny him uh, a title shot as well. You know, Izzy's 
kind of cleaned out the division. I mean, like, so that's like that's the thing. Vittori just lost the title. Costa, or lost in a title fight. Uh, Costa lost to, uh, to Izzy. Brunson lost to Izzy. Whitaker lost to Izzy. Gastelum lost to Izzy. So it's like he's going to have to start making second passes around the division. So just because you lost to, to Adesanya three, f- four years ago, three years ago, just because you lost to him doesn't mean shit. Everybody in the division's lost to him. So, you know, the the UFC can't really hold that over your head. Izzy can't really hold you o- that over your head because he, he, we're making second passes. There's nobody, there's not really anybody who's deserving of a title shot who hasn't already lost to Adesanya outside of Again, maybe Cannoneer, but he probably still needs another win. So, you know, if you're Brunson, I think you're I think you're in a good spot. I think you could wait it out and see if you just get a title shot off of this win over Till. That's probably not the greatest strategy in the world. You might be waiting for a little bit, but it could pay off. Or maybe you, you stay active, you come back, and, uh, you know, in a couple of months, and wait until after Whitaker and Izzy fight. So that your your you know fight cycles kind of match up and you know recency bias and all that because you know recency bias is a real thing. So I don't know. There's no shortage of options for uh, for Derek Brunson after this one. And then for Darren Till, just uh, not a good performance. Not a good performance. You know that's unfortunate if he was fighting with a torn ACL, but you know you, you probably shouldn't do that, especially especially with nine weeks notice. You you really shouldn't do that with nine weeks notice. Uh, you tear your ACL a week before the fight. I mean, I don't know, maybe I guess like you put all that work into the training camp, but nine weeks before they can find somebody else to fight Brunson. Don't you don't you worry about that. Uh, and again. You know, th- this is uh, a real fall from grace, a real fall from hype train for Darren Till. You know, like I said, uh, he's lost five of his last six. Don't get it twisted. He has not lost four of his last five. He has lost five of his last six because his quote-unquote win over Wonderboy Thompson is the biggest robbery in UFC history. I was going to say MMA history, but I can't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, has there been a, been a bigger robbery and? Strike Force or LFA or fucking Cage Warriors. I don't know. I don't follow shit like that. So maybe not MMA history, but certainly UFC history. Uh, that's the biggest robbery of all time. All time. <clears throat> so he lost to Wonderboy Thompson in 2018, got knocked out and choked out by Woodley, knocked out by Jorge Masvidal in his home country, eked out a split decision against Kelvin Gastelum, which is largely debatable, but fine. We can give him that one. Split decision win over Calvin Gastelum, who's on one hell of a losing trend uh, as well. Dominated by Robert Whitaker and dominated by Derek Brunson. So for Darren Till, he is 28 years old. You know, I listened to what Michael Bisping had to say after the fight about, hey, you're, you're only 28 years old. Maybe you want to look about going down to welterweight again and stuff like that. And, you know, this is true. You know, Darren Till is young. He could figure it out. There's clearly stuff he can work on. And it's entirely possible that four years from now, we're looking back at a, at a Darren Till who's won, maybe he's won four of his last five. And we go, wow, remember that weird kind of blip in Darren Till's career where he was losing a lot of fights? Man, he really figured it out. That is that is totally possible. I'm not trying to kick him in, in the ribs when he's down with a pair of fucking Red Wings, but, um, you know, there's... And, and, you know, a lot of people will say, 
Well, he's losing to top guys. Like, wow, he, you know, man, he's, he's fighting Woodley and Masvidal and Whitaker. And it's like, okay, you're, you're going you're gonna to fight good guys in the UFC. So the fact that he's lost five of his last six to good fighters is largely irrelevant. It matters a little bit. He's not. He didn't lose five of his last six to fucking Darren Stewart and Eric Anders and fucking Oscar Pihota. But they're still L's. They're still losses. You still only got paid 50% of your check. I bet you Darren, I, I bet you Darren Till isn't saying that. So for anybody who thinks it's insensitive to be like, well, there's still losses. I bet you Darren Till isn't looking at it that way. Like, uh, yeah, I bet you he's fucking pissed. And again, it's, it's the expectation of talent. Darren Till is not just some bum who's in the UFC because he tries hard and has a C-level skill set. No, Darren Till is very, very talented. So you almost hold him to a higher standard because you know what he can achieve. We've seen Darren Till, I'm not going to say at his best, but... You know, we, we've seen a very good version of Darren Till. So it's like, yeah, I'm not looking at Darren Till under the lens of somebody who's just lucky to be in the UFC. No, I'm looking at him as a guy who's like an A-level talent. You know, a, a, a really talented guy who should be in the UFC doing more than losing five of his last six, regardless of who his opponents are. You're gonna, It's the UFC. You're not going to have an easy fight. That's just not how this works. So... It is what it is. And also, he's been, he hasn't been competitive in, in these fights. He lost every single round, round to Wonderboy Thompson. He didn't really have any moments in the Woodley fight, just kind of got beat up in that fight. He had one small moment at the beginning of the Mosfidal fight where he knocked him down. And then after that, he had no more moments, got knocked out in the second. Gastelum was back and forth, split decision. He lost every single round of that fight against Robert Whitaker. He did have some moments within each round, but there was never even a round you could say he won against Whitaker. And then he never had a moment in the Brunson fight. So it's not like it's not like these losses are, are split decisions. You know, two dominating unanimous decision losses and three finishes in this, you know, five of six losing streak. So it's like, well, you know, he's... Not very good. That's not uh, that's not a very good streak. So I don't know what Darren Till does from here. Um, I don't really like Michael Bisping's idea of him going down to welterweight uh, because I don't think he can make welterweight. He's he's from everything that I've gathered from what you hear in like media interviews and like coaches talking and stuff like that. Darren Till is very very uh, undisciplined. Darren Till has has struggles making 185 because he's just undisciplined. It wouldn't matter. You could tell Darren Till he's fighting at 205 and he's still gonna he's still gonna have to cut a bunch of weight because he, he's undisciplined. So I don't really think that's gonna change. So for him to cut 15 pounds, like dude, that's massive. That's fucking massive. For a guy who made 170 to be given a, the gift, the gift of going up 15 pounds and still struggling with making weight that's that's undisciplined so it's out of it's not even a question of whether he can go down to 170 i don't even think he physically physically could it would be nice if he could go to 170 he's going to be uh you know one of the biggest 170 pounders out there he's as we saw in this brunson fight there there are bigger guys than darren till darren till looked tiny tiny in there compared to brunson frame wise but 
and I, I like the idea of changing weight classes because it, it this losing streak doesn't matter. If he goes to welterweight, it doesn't matter because you can just say all that happened at middleweight. It's a fresh coat of paint. Look at Weidman when he went up to 205. Now, obviously, it didn't go well, but the idea of him going to 205, it's like, I'm putting all that middleweight stuff behind me. I'm just a former champ. I'm in a new weight class. I'm, I'm zero and zero in this weight class. So I like that idea, but Darren Till is not going to 205, and he's sure as fuck not going to 170, so he'd be better figure out figure it out here uh, at middleweight. He just needs easier opponents. He's not as good as we thought he was. He needs to figure something out. He needs to get healthy, not fight injured, and he needs to fight... I don't... like. This isn't boxing, so I'm not saying we give him a UFC newcomer, but like he needs to fight Brad Tavares. He needs to fight... like. Shabazian or something or he you know what I mean like no 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 we're not giving him another main event we're not giving him another top five opponent like you need to figure this stuff out you're not deserving of a top five opponent you're not deserving of a main event so for Darren Till plenty of time to figure it out but it's not looking so hot there for the uh the scouser uh we'll move on here to the co-main event uh where we had uh Tom Aspinall defeat Sergey Spivak in round one at the uh, the midway point uh, via uh, an elbow to ground strikes. Uh, very impressive performance by Tom Aspinall. Briefly, I just wanted to go back to Brunson versus Till. I forgot I didn't uh, do the updates to the to the ranking, so I just briefly wanted to touch on uh, some changes here at, at middleweight because we did have uh, a handful of changes. So we had Derek Brunson moving up three spots from six to three. We had Darren Till moving down three spots from 8 to 11. So the new middleweight top 11 is uh, Whitaker at 1, Cannoneer at 2. Those did not change. Now at 3, Derek Brunson, 4, Paolo Costa, 5, Vittori, 6, Hermanson. At 7, Sean Strickland stays dead even. At 8, 9, and 10, moving up one spot each, is Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman, Tavares, and now Darren Till at number 11. And of course, you can find these uh, rankings at uh, northstarsports.media or owenealy.com if you're feeling fresh. So, you know, Brunson moves up. Um, I know Till was at 8, so it seems a little weird to put Brunson at 3 because he beat 8, but it's just the winning streak, and you look at what Costa and Vittori and Hermanson have done. They're all kind of packed together, but you're on that type of winning streak. I think it's fair for Brunson. And then for Darren Till, I mean, it seems kind of crazy that he's outside of the top 10, but again, this dude's losing a shit ton of fights. So it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I can't just drop you one spot. That just doesn't make sense when you look at the pecking order uh, at middleweight. Uh, so, yeah, excuse me. We'll go back to the uh, Tom Aspinall fight. Uh, just a great performance. And I find I find Aspinall really hilarious because he acts like the media and we act like how he should be acting. We act like the fighters in the sense of, like, Tom Aspinall has had such a great start to his UFC career. He's just knocking fools out left and right has a, a early first round finish in this fight against a guy who I think we had at number 10 number 10 or 11 in the heavyweight division and he's like yeah man 
I just want to take it slow. You know, maybe it's two, three, four years till I get to the title. You know, I really want to fight Blagoy Ivanov. I really want to fight Blagoy Ivanov. I think that'd be a tough guy. And you're like, Blagoy Ivanov? Fucking Blagoy Ivanov. You want to fight Blagoy Ivanov? I want to see you fight for the fucking title. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, obviously that's a little hyperbolic, but like, no, I want to see you fight like the number four guy. Like, I want to see you fight like Jairzinho. I want to see you fight Curtis Blades, you know, where normally it's the fighter who's very eager and like, I want to fight for the title, even though I'm the number 13 guy in the division and things like that. And then it's the media. It's the fans who are like, okay, slow your roll, buddy. How about you take on a guy who's two spots ahead of you? But it's the exact opposite. Like, he's a very calculated, funny guy watching some of the videos uh, on YouTube uh, in in the lead up to the fight. You know, seems like uh, that's definitely a star in the making and, and very realistically he's the uk's best chance at uh getting uh, another champion very very easily uh obviously you gotta throw edwards up there but you know it could be could be aspinall heavyweight's a little a little thin so tremendous performance he's not gonna have uh, i can promise you this his career is not gonna go as slow as he seems to want it to go or maybe slow is the wrong word because that as calculated as he wants his career to go because if you like you keep knocking people out. You keep having fights that aren't even competitive. Like, dude, you, uh, we have him at number nine. So we moved him up five spots from 14 to nine because we had Spivak at uh, at 10. And it's like, the guys ahead of you are Dawkus, Tybura, Rosenstrike, Volkov, Blades, Lewis, and Miocic. Those are all contenders. Maybe Chris Dawkus, you could say, is not a contender just yet. But Tybura is a contender. Jairzinho, Volkov, Blades, Lewis, Miocic just fucking said him. But like those are like you're you're now a contender. You're not a prospect. You're you're really not even a prospect if you're in the top 15, which he was. But it's like you're getting a, your next fight's going to be a main event. Like your next fight is going to be a fight night main event or a co-main on a pay-per-view or a featured bout on a pay-per-view and it's going to be it's going to be against fucking like Marcin Tabura or something. So, you know, and it's probably going to be in three months, you know what I mean? Because he's really not going as slow as, as he uh, uh, thinks he's going. So that's that's a real one to watch out for uh, in, in the heavyweight division. And, you know, just he's just a part of that new age heavyweight, you know, that's quick, uh, got good striking, and, uh, you know, is not morbidly obese. So, uh, you know, he's that new age heavyweight. Just like uh, just like Cyril Gaon, although I think Gaon is way better, like way better. Uh, but Aspinall's pretty pretty good as well. Uh, and I I don't have a damn thing to say about Sergei Spivak. I mean he's still in the still in the top fifteen, so I I, I still like his skill set, but gonna have to clean some stuff up defensively. Uh, moving on to the featured bout, we had a unanimous decision victory for Alex Morono over uh, David Zawada don't really have a whole lot to say on this one it wasn't uh, that bad of a fight you know back and forth morono is a very good striker uh very good boxer kind of a guy who's came out of nowhere he's been in the ufc for a long time but you know it was really after the um after the anthony pettis fight which was a loss but was very close that you know people more people probably started to take notice of morono and then obviously the finish over uh, cowboy Cerrone definitely kind of put him on people's maps so two fight winning streak third fight was competitive 
could be could be closer to being ranked at welterweight at welterweight than than a lot of people realize. Even though that's not an easy division to be ranked in, so you know, I'll be curious to see what they what they do for him next. Because uh, I mean, the UFC putting him as a, as a featured bout on uh, on a card. I don't know. I mean, the, the UFC must like him a little bit, so you got you got to think you got to think they're going to give him uh, a chance at some point. Uh, moving on, we had a second round KO finish via uh, an oblique kick from Khalil Roundtree on Modestus Bukowskis. Um, not a very competitive fight there for uh, the uh, the Baltic Warrior. Good first round for Khalil Roundtree was really teeing off on Bukowskis. Uh, and, you know, fighting in that small, what is it, a 28-footer at the apex, 25-footer, 26-footer? Either way, the smaller cage at the apex, there really wasn't uh, a lot of space for Bukowskis to try to get out of the way of Khalil Roundtree. Stalked him down, hurt him. Looked maybe at the beginning of the second round like Khalil was gassing just a little bit, which has been a problem. We saw that against... Um, Oh, son of a bitch, against that Polish Polish guy. Now, who was that? Uh, Prochnio, yeah, Marcin Prochnio. We saw that a little bit in round three uh, against Marcin Prochnio, uh, but went for the uh, oblique kick, and uh, that was all she wrote. Uh, just completely fucking obliterated uh, Bukowskis' knee. Uh, I remember... Now, what was it? They said that on the broadcast or something that the UFC doctor, or maybe it was leaked on... on Twitter, but somebody said the UFC doctor said that uh, Modeskis blew out like his PCL, MCL, ACL, like it was just he tore everything in his fucking knee. So that's probably uh, he's, he's probably gonna be out for quite some time. Catastrophic knee injury, uh, and he's on a three fight losing streak, so he's probably getting cut as well. So that's uh, extra salt in the wound. Uh, you're gonna be cut from the UFC, and you're not gonna be able to walk for uh, quite some time, let alone fight. So. Very, very unfortunate for uh, Modeskis Bukowskis. Uh, great win for Khalil Roundtree. Really don't have a whole lot of criticism in that one. Maybe if the fight went a little bit longer and we saw him gas a little bit more, which is probably what would have happened, you could knock him for his cardio, but you really can't knock him for anything. Just p- pretty clean performance. And I saw a lot of people talking about, holy shit, that was a bad injury, man. That was a bad injury. We need to ban oblique kicks. I mean, those are those are really, really bad. I mean, look at what it did to Modestos's knee. And first of all, the whole fucking point of MMA dummies is to fucking inflict damage. So uh, they're out there to hurt each other. They're not out there to, pay, to play touch butt in the park with some dork. They're out there to uh, violently hurt each other. And no, oblique kicks should not be banned. How stupid would that be? 12 to 6 elbows shouldn't be banned. It's as dumb as banning 12 to 6 elbows, in, in my opinion. It's an effective strike. Why would you ban an oblique kick? It's a, it's effective. For, now, now, first of all, first of all, not everybody can land an oblique kick. Oh, and it's not like an oblique kick is OP. Uh, Roundtree timed that kick based on what he was seeing from Modestus and landed it. An oblique kick is, is n- not a really good strike to throw because you're going to get a lot of times you're going to get countered and you're going to get blasted now a lot of people will talk about like john jones and oblique kicks the reason why john jones can use oblique kicks is because he's six foot four with a massive massive wingspan and a massive leg span as well 
so he can do that from range but your average height and and leg reach fighter that's a terrible strike to throw you're going to get cracked in the in the head with a right hook and get knocked out if you try to throw that i mean it's it's not something you can spam it's something that takes talent and it's really not even that good of a strike to, to use you know compared to other stuff so it's takes skill to to do that but and then again like i'm with robert whitaker like I, i really don't think think anything should be banned like soccer kicks should be legal in the UFC. Why is a soccer kick not legal? Because it's effective? Like, okay. We can't use soccer kicks because they're too effective. Well, okay, can Nganu not use a, an overhand right because that's too effective? That's really that's really cheap. That's really unfair. You really could cause a lot of damage by allowing Nganu to throw his right hand. So we probably should just ban that and he, he should just have to fight throwing jabs. So it's like, an oblique kick like why would we why would we ban that a, a soccer kick legalized soccer kicks legalized knee, knees to downed opponents you know what would happen if you legalized soccer kicks and knees to downed opponents wrestlers wrestlers would be a lot more fucking careful about what they did they'd be a lot more careful you, you'd get away with a lot less if you could if you could do that you'd really think twice about going to the ground uh you, you, if if those two strikes were legal so I think I think the only strike, the only two strikes that I can think of, now there might be more that I'm forgetting, but basically the only two strikes that should be legal, or illegal, excuse me, are kicks to the nuts and or lady, lady bits. That seems fair. Can't do that. And strikes to the back of the head. Outside of that, legalize everything. A punch to the throat. No, no small joint manipulation. No fish hooking, no sticking your body parts in fucking open holes, no kicks to the nuts, and no punches to the back of the head, or strikes to the back of the head, excuse me. But everything else ah, should be perfectly legal, perfectly legal. So I think that's a very dumb talking point. Uh, It just comes down to feels. There's no logic behind it. It just comes down to feelings. Uh, moving on to the main card opener, we had the uh, debut of Patty the Batty Pimblet against Luigi Vendramini, and he won that one uh, pretty convincingly in round one, knocked him out with a flurry of hooks. Uh, very impressive performance for uh, Patty Pimblet, former Cage Warriors uh, champion. Uh, really overall a, a tremendous night for UK MMA outside of uh, the main event with Darren Till. I mean, I think everybody else won. So, you know, Patty Plim- Patty Pimblet was arguably the star of the night from the UK. I mean, maybe you go with Aspinall because he's in the rankings, but uh, one one hell of a debut. The debut's tough for anybody. Uh, there's some stuff he's going to have to work on. I mean, he very nearly got, got finished uh, early on in that fight. So, you know... You really have to be a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson level of striker to keep your hands as far down as he does and, and get away with that. So might want to keep those hands up a little higher, but, you know, certainly a character, definitely going to be a fun guy to, to watch out for. It's interesting learning uh, English vernacular from him. I don't understand fucking two consecutive words that come out of his mouth. Uh, he's... As far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, Patty Pimblet is Vanderlei Silva to me. Like I don't know what the fuck he's saying. I, I I understand some words, but I don't know what the fuck he's saying. And the words I do understand aren't even words. They're just made up fucking British stuff. 
So, I don't know. He's a character. He's a character. And uh, a good striker, but very nearly got finished, which would have been uh, pretty uh, anticlimactic uh, for his debut, especially because that's entirely preventable. But when he goes for it, he goes for it. I can I can see why I think 16 of his 17 wins come by finishes. Maybe it's 15, but either way, dude is most definitely a finisher. So I'm sure we'll be uh, hearing a lot from him uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, moving on to the prelim headliner, we had a unanimous decision victory for Molly McCann over Ji Yan Kim. Uh, awesome performance from Molly McCann. That was really the performance I've been waiting to see from her. Uh, she, you know, is basically just a middling uh, fighter in the UFC. Someone who came in, lost a couple fights, uh, won some fights, lost some fights coming into this one. So very much a 500 fighter in the UFC really hasn't taken on anybody who's who's a mover and shaker in the division she's had a very very easy level of competition in the ufc priscilla cashueda ariani lipsky diana balbitsa uh laura presupio or whatever the fuck her name is doesn't even matter because she's not going to do anything in the ufc uh so one of the easiest schedules so i was really waiting to see when is she going to have a breakout performance and that definitely was uh on saturday uh, you know, looked looked good. Uh, an unfortunate clash of heads, I believe, in round one, uh, but recovered just fine. So you know that would have been shitty if it got stopped due to a, a clash of head and uh, clash of heads, and then you know subsequent uh, uh, ground strikes. But stayed composed, outstruck her, uh, and um, you know really put it on at, at the end of the fight, which won me over. You know, walking with her with her hands down, just screaming at her. Uh, in a fight that she clearly uh, had won, so you know that's that's a very good performance from Molly McCann. You know, like I said, th- she makes fighting look very very hard. But uh, you know, on that night, not not so much, not so much. Not that she made it look easy, but she she made it look less hard than she has in the past. So you know, maybe maybe she's turned a corner. Seems to be a good striker. Again, I don't think this is going to be someone who does anything of significance in this division. I still think that if she, if and when she ever gets somebody in, in the rankings, it's going to go very badly for her. But, you know, she definitely has heart. Uh, you know, definitely has, uh, you know, a small bit of, of some following. Uh, and, you know, if she fights like that, even in losses as, a, as, as fans, you can't stay mad at it. You know, it's, it's a solid effort. Uh, briefly, we'll go through some of these uh, early fights here on the prelims. I did not get a chance uh, to, to watch some of them due to uh, uh, my, my work, but we had uh, a unanimous decision victory for Jack Shore over uh, Ludwig Shalinian. Uh, you know, Jack Shore just doing what he's supposed to do. You know, that's a guy who's uh, making his UFC debut. You're a guy who's on a, an impressive winning streak, not just in professional MMA, but amateurs as well. I mean, really coming into this fight, he was on a 25 fight winning streak. Uh, you know, didn't get the finish, which probably was expected. But, you know, like I say, sometimes the hardest thing is doing what's expected and he was expected to win. So went out there and, and by all accounts, didn't really didn't really have too much of a struggle against uh, Shalinian, who's, you know, a good striker. He's a good striker. Uh, we had a third round submission via a Darce choke uh, for Julian Arosa over Charles Air Jordan at a 150 pound catch weight. 
Uh, again, like I was saying, I picked Erosa to win this fight, but you never really know what the fuck he's going to do. I mean, he's lost to some pretty bad fighters. He's beat some fighters that he definitely was supposed to lose to in and out of the UFC and, you know, gets gets a win here. He's won three of his last four in the UFC. So, you know, maybe a guy who's uh, around to stay this time uh, and, uh, you know, not, not the toughest fight against Charles uh, Jordan, who... It wouldn't shock me if he got cut. It, it really wouldn't. You look at his uh, tenure in the UFC, two wins, three losses, and one draw. That's plenty of chances the US, UFC has given him over the last couple of years, and it's just a... Uh, now, in fairness, maybe maybe uh, Jordan would always fail in the UFC, or maybe he's just not that good of a fighter. I, you know, I, I'm going to say that's a possibility, but... You know, this is why you really should hesitate signing 23-year-old fighters to the UFC, because sometimes you're just not ready. Sometimes you're just not ready. Maybe if Charles Jourdain would have stayed in Canada, fought on the regional scene for two years, and today he got signed to the UFC, maybe he would fucking, maybe he'd go undefeated and, and go on a run for the title. But it's very hard to, to learn in the UFC, which he most certainly was trying to do, and uh, it really seems like this experiment has uh, not worked out. And then in the uh, prelim opener, we had Marc-Andre Barrio getting a win over Dalsha Lungi Ambula. I uh, can't say I saw that happening. I don't think too highly of uh, Marc-Andre Barrio. He's on a two-fight winning streak uh, now at this this point, so I... I thought for sure after the loss to uh, Jun Young Park in uh, late 2019, he was going to get cut, but kind of seems like he's uh, resurrected his career, uh, albeit against pretty low uh, competition, but resurrected his career. And then Dalsha Lungiambula lost two of his last three. I mean, he, he really has to make it work here at 185 because uh, with his body type, there's not a chance in hell he gets to 170. I really don't like him at 205. He's just, you know, tremendously small. I guarantee he's the smallest roster, smallest fighter on the roster at 205. So, you know, he he really has to make it work at 185. Uh, but with that, uh, we'll wrap it up here. So again, pretty fun uh, little uh, fight card there. Only nine fights uh, due to uh, just uh, an ungodly amount of uh, cancellations. So no, no UFC, no UFC this uh, this weekend. I do think we have, uh, oh fuck, what is it? Vitor Belfort and Evander Holyfield with uh, commentators Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. So oh, I'm sure I'll be tuning into that at some point. Uh, just why I can't? You you tell me you tell me it's a fight night headlined by Evander Holyfield and Vitor Belfort. I gotta see it. Then you throw the Trumps in there. Now I gotta see it. Now this. Now like, imagine the FOMO you would have if you missed out on that. I can't. I can't have a circus of that magnitude assembled and not watch it. Sure, it's probably gonna be a fatal car crash. But if I'm driving down 494 and I see that, uh, you know, on the right side of the road, I'm. I'm gonna slow down and watch it. So, uh, I'm sure I'll be watching that. Uh, but yeah, we'll have the preview show. We'll probably do it early next week just because, uh, you know, I miss you guys. So we'll, we'll, we'll do something like that. Uh, we might have a mailman's matchmaking tomorrow. Uh, I'm still debating if I should do that. I'm probably going to do that 
you know, even if it's a, if it's a short little episode, we'll do a mailman's matchmaking uh, tomorrow or Saturday or Sunday or at some point in the next couple of days. We'll we'll do one of those, and then hopefully the uh, NFL preview show with uh, Reagan Hooverman. Uh, but for now, we'll wrap it up. So again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at northstarsports.media or owenealy.com. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.